0: Hello, and welcome to the GMS Markets podcast. I'm John Chaplin, and I'm joined today by two senior traders at GMS, Fedon Paradiatopoulos and Vagali Hatsidianis. Welcome, gentlemen, and thank you very much
1: for taking part. Hello, John. Nice to be here once again.
2: Hi, John. Hi, Fedon. Pleasure to speak uh, one more time with you guys uh, on this podcast, uh, which is going to be an exciting one following a super busy Posidonia.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that. So let's start with Posidonia. How was it for you guys? Uh, Did the turnout meet your expectations and what kind of impression did you get of the freight market from talking to the owners and brokers that you spoke to?
1: I think, uh, John, to just begin with it, first of all, a lot of happy faces there. You know, this is obviously talking to the way the markets are going. Everybody knows the situation about the container markets. There is some cautious uh, optimism about the way the market will perform during 2022 and probably going into 2023. There are some uh, minor concerns with regards to the inflation, which obviously will uh, play a role into the purchasing power of the consumers. But obviously, the fundamentals are strong in that uh, sector. And obviously, as long as the order book has not hit the water yet, there is no major uh, reason for concern. Uh, Moving forward to the dry bulk markets, uh, it has been a hugely positive upward trend for the past almost a year now, experiencing one of the healthier markets. Uh, during Posidonia, this was the important thing. Uh, and this is talking to the effect that Posidonia is having, the Posidonia events are having to the shipping industry. That uh, obviously everybody was down there in Posidonia, and uh, sometimes uh, traders struggle to find vessels or vessels struggle to find cargo because of this. But overall, was a very good. Uh, it is a very good market uh, for the dry bulk uh, operators and owners. And uh, moving to the tanker sector, I think that everybody's expecting a boom there. Obviously, we see what uh, the MRs are doing and the AFRAs are doing, especially in the MR sector, which is uh, booming a lot. Uh, we have seen uh, 40,000 per day and so on and so forth. And the LR1 sector is also good. The AFRA sector is also performing very well, depending, obviously, where you have positioned your vessel. Uh, where I think there is a little upside or a lot of upside here to be experienced is in the Suezmax and the VLCC sector. Uh, especially with VLCCs trading at OPEX and below OPEX and marginally above OPEX and trying to find uh, storage business is not uh, widely available yet. So this is a sector that still there is room for improvement. Overall, I believe a lot of happy faces, as I already said, and uh, the main, let's say, focus of this Posidonia and the trending topic was the decarbonization, especially with the EXI coming to effect next year. Uh, and uh, having, let's say, the landmarks of uh, 2030 and 2050 in front of us, this would what monopolized all the discussions and especially uh, in a very well-attended event of GMS that we had hosted the way that uh, everybody was discussing on the role of green recycling playing uh, pretty much a big part into this decarbonization going forward. So this is how I experienced at least Posidonia. What about you, Vangelio?
2: Well, it was uh, definitely a busy one. I mean, uh, from what I gather, it's been the busiest one ever. I mean, the previous uh, record Posidonia in terms of attendance, I believe it was in 2018. And uh, from what I read, uh, it's basically, this one was like uh, 5,000 more attendees, which uh, is a significant amount. Having said that, I agree with you, everybody was in the mood to kind of uh, catch up, uh, see uh, faces that uh, have not been seen for several years now with uh, COVID and travel restrictions. And uh, definitely the market environment is definitely an encouraging one for everybody to be in a that you to discuss uh, about uh, further positivity in the short term and even long term. I guess the, the ones that were uh, more optimistic were basically uh, owners uh, related to, uh, in the tanker segment, uh, whereas uh, the ones that were a little bit more cautious were the ones in containers and dry tonnage uh, where they have already been enjoying a few years of uh, quite healthy freights. there. And uh, I guess that sums up up the Posidonia, but uh, nobody was talking about uh, demolition. I don't think there is any owner willing to kind of uh, even imagine that at the current uh, state of markets. Uh, Even the tanker owners, which uh, were a little bit busy in uh, making decisions with regards to recycling or not, uh, are refraining from that. And uh, this uh, can probably be justified uh, based on what you just said on, basically that uh, the uh, tanker tonnage there is uh, seeing an uptick uh, in the freights and uh, consequently the, even the more vintage assets uh, like 2003-2004 builds that were previously uh, being considered uh, for recycling are now withdrawn from the market of, uh, of demolition and basically enjoying premium, premiums uh, well above uh, the prevailing uh, scrap market rates.
0: Well, let's talk about the scrap market because in the last few podcasts we have been reporting on the falls sustained right across the subcontinent markets, and then now does seem to be a new floor in the low 600s. What's the evidence coming from your side and what feedback are you getting from the recycling markets on the prices?
1: I think, John, that uh, from my side, uh, let me hit the audience with uh, some numbers here so they understand exactly what has transpired in the recycling markets over the past, let's say one to two months. So we know why is this new floor being formed and from where it started. I think I'm going to start from west to east. And the uh, first market, of course, I want to focus is Pakistan. And I think there are three major factors that we're talking about across the markets. Currency, we're talking about steel prices, we're talking about general demand um, locally. Uh, in terms of currency, uh, PKR, and I have a number here that's uh, really going to uh, sound uh, uh, crazy, but PKR used to trade on 21st of April at 182 to the dollar. Uh, fast forward to today's date, uh, which is, uh, if I'm not wrong, 14th, correct? 14th of June. Today, we, the PKR is trading at 206.5 to the dollar. And this is overnight also uh, lost approximately 0.8%. Overall, in these two months, so from 21st of April till 14th of June, we have a 13.5% depreciation over the course of less than two months. So this is quite a hit for the market. Moving forward to the steel prices, though. Today, I think we're going to be talking about PKR 165,000 per metric ton on the good quality steel, which equates to $799 per metric ton, while on the melting side, we, we are facing 139,000 PKR per metric ton, which translates to 673 uh, per metric ton. So you have seen these upticks in the steel prices, uh, but of course, whatever is there in an uptick in the form of an uptick is being absorbed and then some by the currency depreciation which plays a huge role here and huge, has huge effect. On the local demand, I think uh, what uh, the local Pakistani traders and buyers are facing is that uh, there is just a cheaper imported product. Uh, for example, the shredded steel that is being imported for places like UAE, so on and so forth, has been trading approximately uh, $200 less. So this is what creates the imbalance in the local market uh, in terms of fundamentals. And of of course, uh, there are other uh, reasons that play their part. For example, you have the budget that was announced uh, last Friday. There is no major change there, uh, no major tax or duties being imposed in the steel sector. Uh, There is a government change in Pakistan, of course, over the past uh, month or so, uh, which uh, still tries to control the situation with regards to the currency devaluation. So there is some uncertainty there. The fundamentals, apart from the currency, seem to be there. But I think we will need to see how the government will manage the depreciation of the PKR, or the Pakistani rupee uh, going forward in order to to have a concrete, let's say, picture. Moving forward to India, uh, in India we have less than a currency effect. We have around 2% depreciation over the course of two months from 21st April uh, when the PKR was 76 trading to the dollar. Today it's trading to 78 to the dollar, 78.06 to be more precise. Where we see the big drop there is in the steel prices. The steel prices used to trend, uh, let's say, by 21st of April, which is my benchmark date uh, for this exercise, at 55,300 rupees, with melting at 49,500 rupees. Uh, Today, just for reference, we're talking about 44,200 rupees on the good quality 12 millimeter plate with 40,000. 200 rupees being on the melting front. We're talking about 566 dollars and 515 dollars being the current market, respectively. Uh, this is more than a 20% drop from the peak. The local demand is not really growing. Right now, they're just taking a step back to see because there is a further correction that's expected uh, with regards to the India rupee uh, over the course of the next one to two months, maybe a 1% depreciation, so on and so forth. Everybody's in wait and see mood. Let me put it that way, and they are expecting the effect of the monsoon to hit next week with heavy is being predicted, which will play a role in the market. And uh, just closing up, in the subcontinent picture, I think we have to theoretically also discuss Bangladesh, which uh, is quite a similar picture. We, we actually see that the Sri Lankan effect is uh, causing uh, some kind of a snowball effect to the local economies there, um, which is trying to be contained by the local governments. The Bangladeshi taka has depreciated over the course of two months by 9.5%. Uh, effectively, from 84 and a half uh, Bangladeshi taka to the dollar to the 92 and a half Bangladeshi taka to the dollar, with obviously NCE uh, currency being booked uh, uh, even higher, 97 and uh, so on so forth. Uh, I think this is a response to US raising interest. This is the uh, actual, uh, let's say, effect that has on the local market. But there is also a big uh, shortage of US dollars. And the imports are so high, and there is a predicted deficit on the trading front for Bangladesh. Steel-wise, we are still uh, seeing uh, the scrap uh, being traded at $600 per metric ton with a good quality still at $708 per metric ton, but this is respectively $45 and uh, $60 down only due to the effect of the FX, uh, the currency exchange. With regards to the budget, this is the same. There is no change uh, or tax, let's say, imposed on the vessels or the imported scrap. Uh, I think that there is a lack of supply, which, Vageli, I believe you will cover as well, uh, if on your end, uh, as well as the pricing.
0: Thanks, Fedon. You mentioned the budget. So what you're really saying was there was nothing in those budgets from Bangladesh or Pakistan that would encourage recyclers to start buying again.
1: I think that the first statement will be, with, it, with regards to the budget, and this is from uh, historical experience, that uh, no news is good news in this case. So there are no major changes, which means that Uh, At least now the recyclers, with regards to uh, putting together the purchasing policy, uh, they will be kind of more, uh, let's say, bullish to some extent. But uh, again, in all three markets, what we have seen is that in terms of the biggest markets, uh, in terms of the vessels can be handled, for example, in season Aframax and Suezmax vessels, Uh, these are Pakistan and Bangladesh, we have a huge currency devaluation, while in India we have a still drop, still prices drop. So everything has to be managed and the dust has to settle yet.
0: Anything to add to that, beginning?
2: Yes, uh, well, uh, Fedor has done a great job covering most of the local fundamentals, basically. And I think what needs to be added on that is uh, in particular for the Indian market that uh, we should not be forgetting that the Indian government has uh, in, uh, enforced uh, restrictions in the exportation of uh, steel products, which is uh, the main uh, cause for kind of causing the... Uh, the, the, the collapse, if I can put it that way, in the state prices that we have m- witnessed uh, in the course of the last uh, month uh, or two, basically. In the return, uh, right now, I mean, factoring all together and summarizing all these fundamentals, which uh, were kind of analyzed by Fedon as well. I think it's worth basically keeping in mind that it translates to to vessel prices, uh, probably in the India, uh, depending on the tonnage, at the, uh, the high 500 levels. And uh, Pakistan is kind of uh, in limbo between uh, the, five, the high 500s and the low 600s. Uh, so we are at the turning point between these two markets to see if basically if we will manage to sustain at the, six, the figure starting with the six there and uh, kind of uh, start uh, crawling back onwards there. Uh, which might be the case seeing the appetite coming back a little bit from Bangladesh. It's not like the buyers are jumping up and down there to acquire expensive inventory, but we are seeing tonnets, basically offers for tonnets in the region of low 600 closer to mid 600s depending on the type of tonnage and the goodies there but what is very important to highlight is that there is no firm tonnage being negotiated for the past few weeks so uh, this is all hypothetical i mean uh, with the exception of uh, a rumored show vlcc the uh, uh, there is no really any tonnage that has been uh, actively negotiated or worth kind of taking a note in terms of uh, a pricing that has been uh, concluded at. And if I may jump from this rumor to the VLCC sale, basically, I'd like to highlight that there are no kin sellers, in my opinion, right now, even on that segment. I think it would be mostly related due to financial capabilities being out there and how big of a stomach an, on- an owner might be having in kind of holding a little bit longer from what it seems to be uh, the light at the end of the tunnel showing up uh, for the ta- for the tanker segment at least uh, from a sentiment kind of uh, point of view uh, we have seen the freights uh, picking up significantly as mentioned earlier on the mars we have seen that happening uh, on the yo-yo effect uh, on the Aframax on the uh, segments uh there are indications that Swiss marks are coming back uh, also, or they anticipate to do so. And I think uh, as a chain reaction, the VLCC is down the line. So most of the sellers, um, they are reluctant in offering their donuts uh, or to actively negotiate it. And of course, containers and bulk carriers are out of the question. I mean, uh, Every number there is justifying passing surveys, even on the early 2000 builds. Uh, maybe isolated uh, cases uh, would be an exception in that respect. What I would like to also add here is the market in Turkey, of course, which has not been uh, different at all from what uh, Fedon has been describing for the Indian subcontinent mostly. And in particular, if I have to sum it up, basically we're seeing still prices uh, since beginning of May until mid of June right now, having corrected by $160 per metric ton. That's a significant figure if somebody is to look at it in the broader picture. And unfortunately, the sentiments within buyers are there will be further correction of another 30 $40. Of course, the global still demand has a role to play in that. The effect of the Chinese lockdown again with COVID uh, could be argued to be one of those. Uh, The uh, the war that is ongoing, unfortunately, uh, at the borders of Europe is another one. Um, But basically, overall, a pessimistic uh, demand together again with currency uh, devaluation also there with uh, the Turkish lira.
1: I think uh, just to to add what uh, vangelis is uh, saying, uh, it's still fresh in memory the 2018 year where um, uh, you know we literally had 42 VLCCs coming uh, for demo, and I think uh, the vast majority of those came I think uh, in the first half of the year. So it was every day waking up and seeing uh, one or two VLCCs coming to the market. That's not the case. We might have seen some price checking uh, going on from uh, certain owners, but uh, nothing to the extent of what we experienced back in 2018. And uh, credit to the market of subcontinent. I mean, these uh, 42 VLCCs were absorbed by the market uh, without any issues. Uh, But obviously, we're talking about a different price point back then, more availability of buyers, uh, future capabilities of LCs, and so on and so forth, and different picture on the FX risk. Uh, So going forward, I believe that uh, the market has to be tested at some point because uh, we have an idea, we discuss with the breakers ourselves, uh, we price check also ourselves, but eventually what we see is that there is no sale that has benchmarked the market at these levels, at least for now.
0: That's a fantastic summary of the market. I appreciate that. Uh, Let's just finish with an unfair question. Uh, Do either of you expect the market to edge back up in the next weeks, months?
1: Uh, my view is that with all these uh, market fundamentals and uh, the uncertainty that is being brought upon us by the currency depreciation and keeping in mind also the local, the local governments are really spending to, to try and keep in, uh, this fluctuation, uh, let's say, mitigated. For example, India has, spent, uh, has already uh, pumped uh, $2 billion in the market yesterday. Uh, Bangladesh, uh, more than $8 billion to cover the shortage of USD for the transactions. Uh, I believe that uh, this is uh, not a doom and gloom picture. I think that this is where the floor is formed. And uh, by the time that we will see some, let's say, fresh sales coming and hitting the picture, uh, I believe that uh, that's when the market will be benchmarked at its lowest point. Uh, so for me, there is a significant upside rather than a downside.
2: Let me put it that way. Agree, getting? I wouldn't disagree with uh, what Fedon said but I just keep on uh, having in my mind uh, the global uncertainties that are taking uh, place and the extraordinary events as we call them, right? I mean uh, we saw the effect of uh, COVID and uh, during the past few years uh, we see now what uh, inflation is kind of uh, causing on the back of uh, these sudden developments that are taking place and unfortunately we have also to think the political scenario going uh, across globally which basically would be involving, uh, you know, war effects and so on. I mean, uh, there's uh, one going on right now in Europe, and uh, God forbid uh, something else would be to escalate further. But uh, there are uncertainties things globally in that respect, which are, Yes, making uh, all the um, the trades to be a a bit more cautious, that probably should. I mean, if somebody was to take an isolated uh, view of uh, the fundamentals right now, I think the fact that the restrictions in China with regards to COVID are easing up, it should be creating uh, positive sentiments with regards to work on this uh, where to head uh, onwards. Uh, but I guess what we see happening with uh, stock prices, etc. globally right now are kind of describing this uh, uncertainty uh, that uh, we're living into. Uh, so I'm cautious optimistic to summarize. Yes, I agree that uh, all things being equal, that the market uh, should be uh, improving rather than the contrary. Uh, but there are just too many extraordinary events taking place nowadays, and uh, I guess this is uh, what's causing the the uncertainty globally.
1: I agree with you, Vangeli. Definitely, we cannot predict for this. Uh, But obviously, for the items that we can predict, like, for example, the EXI, uh, because this is also a topic that we really discussed over uh, Poseidonia, uh, I think the general expectation is that uh, uh, the slow steaming that will be caused uh, because of the EXI uh, coming to effect, I think will uh, add to the demand for more vessels. So, um, if we have to open the floodgates for demo, if that's the question, which will further push the prices down, I do not expect that uh, owners are prepared to sell their vessels for demo, at least to the to the effect that we saw previous years, like in 2018, because the market probably has legs at least. That's a
2: general feeling for now. I could argue against that uh, in some respect. I mean, uh, you know, with the regulations coming into effect, I mean, from what I gather for um, at least some blue bonus around, they would expect a big supply of tenants to be seen towards the first half of 2023. So, I mean, depending on uh, how long term we're analyzing that. So, uh, if I have to summarize it, somehow I would agree with you for the next half of 2022. But then the first half of 2023 is a question mark to me. I can see arguments like, for example, these regulations might uh, uh, phase out a big um, quantity of vessels for us to be faced with big supply of tonnage Of course, I'm not implying it might be at the same uh, volumes like we are describing on 2018 or even going back from memory in 2016 on the a dry segment where we saw oversupply of capes and so on, or 2015, something like that. But uh, certainly the regulations are going to be having a positive effect in terms of supply of donuts. And then it remains basically to be seen uh, how this is going to be absorbed in combination, of course, with the fluctuations on commodities and so on down the line.
0: I'm sensing a degree of caution from both of you, which is hardly surprising given the market swings recently. But thanks so much to both of you for taking part in this podcast.
2: Thank you, John. And thank you, Vangeli. Thank you, John. Thank you, Ferdinand. Let's see what the post-Posidonia effect is.
0: Indeed. Thanks, guys. And thank you for downloading and listening. We'll be back next week with the latest figures and market movements.